0: 90s songs of the 90s would be like scary mtv songs and then like there would be like one song on the cd like at the end that would just be an instrumental track mm-hmm. you'd be like why is this on here this yeah. is so strange there's no lyrics what's going on so mm-hmm. like it kind of makes sense
1: do you know what the adderall diaries could have used what a trent rasner and atticus ross score yeah i think that would help it would have been wasted mm-hmm. but <laughs> it could have it, have it would have it would have like fit the tone i would feel yeah I'm so proud of her. Boy, make could <laughs> I'm getting so much better. <laughs> <sighs> it's like it's a muscle. I'm just like flexing it and working it.
0: Hello. Hello.
1: Welcome to Chasing Chalamet, a bi weekly podcast where I, Dane McDonald, uh, Timothy Chalamet, warrior of the first degree, uh, and a special guest deep dive into the filmography of the Oscar nominated actor, Timothy Hal Chalamet. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Pamela Romanowski's 2015 pseudo-crime thriller-adjacent boy-man drama, The Adderall Diaries. I put a question mark on the end of that because of the genre, not the movie. It is definitively called The Adderall Diaries. Uh, We're going to be covering our thoughts, feelings, critiques, praise, and maybe lack thereof, whatever we want to say about this uh, James Franco joint Uh, And then we're going to discuss Timothy's performance in the film, what function does he serve the story Is he cast well, what does his participation in this film bring to the table. And then on a scale from one to five peaches, we are going to together grade the film in different categories. The quality of the film, Timothy's performance, his attractiveness, and most importantly, his hair. And wow, that is going to be a doozy on this episode, because that is some wig work. (laughs) Now that we've gotten... That out of the way, I'd like to introduce today's guest. He is a DJ for Chirp Radio, a producer of a storytelling series called The First Time, a former podcaster on a podcast that I was a guest on a few years back called I'd See That. Uh, he is a longtime Chicago resident. It's Bobby Evers.
0: Hello. Hi,
1: Bobby. How are you?
0: I'm pretty good. How are you doing?
1: I'm great now that you're here. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, so, Bobby, you and I... I want to say we go way back, but it's, we've been friends for a few years it's now. It's been a couple years now. Yeah. um, We became friends through a former guest of the show and current friend of both of us, Katie Dively. Mm-hmm. Kind of through like our movie trivia group. And that's kind of how we all yeah. came together. Um. Yeah. So we, we became friends. I was on the aforementioned podcast. I'd see that. Yes. Um, you I
0: and was, Katie were both on it. Together. We were. Yeah.
1: And I, I want to say that, did we like demand that episode? You
0: might have. And we were happy to give it to you. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: it wasn't like, a, we didn't like right. pry it from some other, like, because no. we, did, we did the Beguiled, uh, yeah. which was Sofia Coppola's um, 2017 summer release. It wasn't as if there was like another Sofia stan who we like right. ripped it from as if it were the last loaf of bread at the grocery store during a yeah. hurricane.
0: You were just like dibs.
1: Yeah. We're like, we love Sofia. This mm-hmm. movie was super anticipated by all of us. Um, so yeah, we we pulled into that spot right away. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of our history as friends. Did I did I miss anything in my intro about you? Anything like important that the the Timothy Chalamet stands need to know about you?
0: Um not necessarily. I just remember I met Katie when I was DJing like a dance party and then she was like join our movie trivia team right this is from my friend Dane and my friend Jess
1: that's that's an important thing to note yeah once a month you DJ at a bar here in Chicago called Crown Liquors yes and we come to those quite frequently yes thank you for coming always yeah, yeah I don't make it to every single one
0: but you're always there in spirit
1: but I am always there in spirit and every time they happen I'm thinking about you and I'm there
0: and I will periodically play a Disney song for you you will if and sometimes it hits yeah. and
1: sometimes it doesn't
0: <laughs> it always hits way better than I'm expecting
1: except for the one time that I guaranteed you that Under the Sea was going to like really hit, and it didn't, <laughs> and
0: I'm sorry for that. <laughs> it, hit, it, it hit better than I was expecting, though. <laughs> so, Even better than I was expecting. I'm glad your
1: expectations were that low. <laughs> yes, I was like, oh,
0: Dane, what are you doing to me? Oh, wait, this works, okay. weirdly. <laughs> Love that.
1: So yeah, that's how, kind of how Bobby and I know each other. And Bobby, um, as we mentioned, your podcast is a film podcast. You are a film person, so yes. it only made sense to have you on this show at some point. Thank you. It's um, an honor to be here. Thank you very much. And yes, uh, I brought you in to talk about The Adderall Diaries, which, um, if you haven't watched yet, is available on Netflix. I want to say, like, it's been one of those movies that's been on Netflix, like, forever, Mm -hmm. just like collecting its investment back. Um, so I finally got around to watching it. We have one more movie of Timmy's that I haven't seen oh. that we have to cover. We're, we still have to do two more episodes that are currently planned for the movies that have been released as of this recording.
0: So you're almost caught up. I
1: am almost caught up. If you don't include his like television appearances and like some made-for-TV movies that we're going to cover. So yeah, this was one of two new Timothys for me.
0: That's it. Very
1: interesting. Yeah. So tell me a little bit, what is your relationship to Mr. Chalamet? What have you seen him in? What are your thoughts going into this movie and into this podcast?
0: He is one of those where, like, he had that big year where he did uh, Lady Bird and Call Me By Your Name Mm -hmm. in the same year. And then I was surprised to learn that I had been seeing him in movies for years, Mm -hmm. like Interstellar and, like, others. So it was like, oh, that guy. Also Homeland. Yes. Like, I was like, oh, he's that kid. Like, this is crazy. But, uh, yeah, I, I, he... I, I also saw that uh, video that he did. It was, like, a Vanity Fair, like, interview between him and Emma Stone. And, mm-hmm. like, they were just so interesting on that. And, like, he was just gushing about how much he loved her work. And it yeah. was like, oh, you're a down-to-earth, very cool, like, charming person. Right. Uh, he'd be great to, like, hang out with. Sure, yeah. yeah. For,
1: a, for a 23, almost 24-year-old who has been nominated for an Oscar, who is dating a actress slash supermodel, he seems very grounded. And yeah. He seems he doesn't seem to be heading down that like jet set life in the fast lane. He's no time. Miles Teller. He's no Miles <laughs> Teller. And for that, we can be so, so grateful. <laughs> well, all that being said, let's talk about the movie okay. of the episode of the hour, the Adderall Diaries, as I mentioned, directed by uh, Pamela Romanowski, also written by her based on a in cold blood esque, Almost adaptation esque yeah. book by Stephen Elliott. Who so when I so when I hit play, I didn't know it was based on real life that Stephen Elliott was a real person. So when the first quote flashed on the screen and it was Stephen Elliott, and I I, had, I knew enough about the movie that I knew that that was James Franco's character's name and he was a okay. writer. I was like, are these people literally starting this movie with a quote by a character in this movie that I'm about to see? Right. Like I. It's still pretentious now knowing he's a real person, but, like, I just was like, oh, and we're off to the races. Yeah,
0: like, he doesn't even die in the movie. Like, it's not a thing where, like, he had a tragic end and so he had this epic quote. It was just like, you're just... Quoting him. Yeah. That's...
1: And you think of, I mean, literally, you think of like Lady Bird starting with the Joan Didion quote about yeah. Sacramento. Like, th- in that, like, I I love when opening titles give like a cheeky, like, I love like in American Hustle when they're like, some of this actually happened. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, it's not that that bothers me. Like, it was just the like self indulgence it was already right. like hitting off with. And then just learning that like he was a real person, that this crime that is, you know, discussed in this movie is real. Like, it, like, Having learned all that in hindsight, it's like not doing it any favors for mm-hmm. me. So to get into a little bit of plot before we jump in, basically James Franco plays Stephen Elliott. He's this author. He's had a rough childhood. Yada yada yada. His father was abusive. Blah blah blah. And then, well, actually, I was gonna say, and he's like a drug addict. But like for a movie called The Adderall Diaries, like it's very strange that they like lynch pinned in on that drug yeah for that you know what i mean like i it, wonder
0: if that played more in the book yeah and maybe they just like lost that, that for the thread. movie yeah but yeah
1: so he has a drug issue he's got drug issues um daddy issues the whole nine yards basically it comes out that he has for years been saying his father was dead his father is not dead he's trying to write this book he wants to write it based on this crime that's happening but he can't manage to write it he basically just fucks up everything around him yeah before finding a redemption yeah Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Timothy plays the younger version of the James Franco character, Stephen Elliott, which going into it, I didn't think he was going to be in the movie that much, but he, he's got like a pretty like meaty yeah. supporting part. It is all like flashbacks.
0: He keeps coming back though. We yeah. Can see and that. like,
1: he doesn't get like, he doesn't get like many notes to play, but like he is throughout the movie. Like it's yeah. not like, you know. It's just not like there's like an opening scene where he's young, right? And like you never see him again. Like he's got a pretty good. So actually, I was kind of thinking this was going to be a movie where like we didn't see a lot of him, but we Mm -hmm. did end up seeing a lot of him. Yeah. A lot of it is him in a really terrible wig, but still present. So that is exciting. Yeah. What's not so exciting is this movie isn't very good.
0: No, it's not. It's not a great movie. It's it's not much of a movie at all.
1: (laughs) No. Um, I didn't loathe it. Right. You know, obviously we'll get into ratings later. I won't show my hand too early, but. I didn't, out down. I think we mentioned it's got like 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't think it's like a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes type movie. I even actually found a lot of the filmmaking pretty interesting, especially toward the beginning. Like before I kind of knew where it was going, I thought it was going to get into this kind of like, to call it like Gone Girl-esque is giving it too much credit, but I thought there might kind of be like a sexy, twisty, narrative like i think i thought i I thought it was going to be more complex than it was Mm. but it ended up just being very very pedestrian
0: right like he's trying to write this book he's trying to he's trying to write like his memoir he's also trying to write this like true crime book about this murder and then both keeps fucking up but that's like all that happens yeah like he he misses some opportunities some of his friendships fall away like Mm -hmm. it's not i don't know and also just like I don't know. There was not enough of the true crime element for it to count. It was sort of like, yeah. I don't know. If, if it hadn't been based on a book where that was like a more central part, it would almost n- not even make sense that it's in this movie at all.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, like, I think in even watching it, not knowing that that was a real crime that happened, like, mm-hmm. I actually did not know it was a true crime until literally 10 minutes ago when I was on the Wikipedia page for the Adult Diaries and I saw that hans whatever his name is his name was clickable and i was like oh
0: shit that was my experience too
1: yeah yeah watching it i'm like this is so unnecessary but even then learning that it's like a real thing that happened it's like oh well that doesn't make for like a very interesting right narrative
0: yeah so my my understanding is that the book like i read a review of the book which was hard to find because there's so many bad reviews of the movie Mm -hmm. but like The book, it sounds like he was trying to write the details of the case and then also interpolating himself and, like, comparing himself and maybe his dad to this, you know, murderer. And, like, that could be interesting, but, like, Stephen Elliott seems like such a despicable person in real (laughs) life that, like, you don't really want to spend, you know, an hour and a half with him.
1: Yeah. He's had a lot of sexual harassment, sexual coercion, accusations leveled against him. He's suing or was suing one of the women who came forward, which is never a great look. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He seems like a pretty awful, scummy guy.
0: And it's interesting because that they, they include that in the movie. He's like, Oh, my ex girlfriends would tell you this. And it's like, Oh, you're just mm. shit. You're just a shitty man. Right. And like, you're trying to do that thing where it's like, Oh, here's a flawed protagonist. But it's like, eh, yeah. I'd still rather see like a flawed woman protagonist or mm-hmm. like a flawed queer protagonist. Like, yeah. I'm just like, bored by this trope. Yeah. There's man.
1: nothing, and there's nothing you're at, there's, there's nothing unique coming to the right. perspective with this. And it doesn't help that walking gray area, James Franco right. portrays him.
0: Right. Like he's he was the entire cause that this movie got made at all. Like right. James Franco is like, oh Stephen Elliott, what an interesting thing, and it's mm-hmm. like you're also problematic. Yeah. And so then he's like thrusting this movie to go forward. He handpicked Pamela Romanowski to like write and direct it. Yeah. And like it's a of vanity. Or- yeah.
1: Work together or studied together at New York University, which
0: also seems suspect to me because my understanding is that he was grooming students to do like weird sex stuff with him. Right. So it's like you are you are Stephen Elliott, mm-hmm. and now you're playing him in a movie, and like that sucks. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's not a great look. <laughs> yeah. And
1: and yeah, the reason I refer to him as like walking gray area is because a lot it's it's he, a lot of the allegations against him, it's that thing where like, well, he didn't necessarily do anything like wrong, but it's not like cute right. like. I'm sure there are things out there that are will or may come to light with James Franco. Yeah. Like I'm every time there's a new, I was even making a joke the other night in our group chat because it had come out that like a Roman Pharaoh uh, expose was like on the horizon. And yeah. I just, I like had the, I was like, it's Franco. Like they got Franco. Like got I, him. I'm. A, yeah, we got him. <laughs> like I keep waiting for like the, the shoe to finally drop with him. And yeah. that's why like watching his performances is hard because you're like, Ugh. I find him to be, a very charismatic, fascinating actor in the right context. I think he's really great in Spring Breakers.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Um, <laughs> you don't like Spring Breakers? I mean,
0: I didn't have a good time at it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it.
1: That's fine. Um, <laughs>
0: I like Bling Ring better. Oh, I they love... They came out the same yes. year and it was like...
1: Great double feature. Yeah. But yeah, your Bling Ring is the superior film. Yeah. But yeah, Franco is just... A, it's, a, it's. He's a hard performer to sit with because I'm. I grapple with what I enjoy about him, but also... He, yeah you're right like he's playing Stephen elliott he put this whole movie together and just i can imagine he's like oh but we're gonna have a female writer director and mm-hmm. that's gonna like write the ship and then it just it just yeah doesn't. yeah for, that's a, that is actually another thing that like kind of initially like within the first 15 minutes i was like oh maybe i will like this because that i was into the style I, I thought it was gonna go in a much more interesting different direction and then mm-hmm. like this is a st- docked cast. Like, yeah, like for a movie that made less than sixteen thousand dollars at the Jesus box office. Oh uh, yeah, like it's got a lot of like Franco. Better for better or for worse. Like is a movie star. Um, Ed Harris plays his father. Yeah, Amber Heard is like his girlfriend. Um, Jim Perrick who is was on True Blood. I spent like five minutes trying to remember if he was Jake Lacy or not. Mm. <laughs> Christian Slater plays uh Hans Racer, who's the the murderer who's on trial. Um, Cynthia Nixon is his book agent or whomever. And then, like, Wilmer Valderrama is, like, there randomly. Like, I kept being, like... Like, people kept, like, popping out, like, daisies. I was like, shit, there's, like, a people in this movie. Yeah. And, like, now, you know, hindsight, Timothy Chalamet plays his younger self. So it's a pretty, like, great cast for a movie that just doesn't do much else.
0: And it's not, like... Badly written, like, there's not, mm-hmm. like, bad dialogue, yeah. there's not bad acting, it's not, like, poorly shot with bad cinematography, it's yeah. just, it's so- somehow less than the sum of its parts. Yeah, no, it's weird.
1: aside from the fact that you're right, it's just, like, it suffers from the fact that it's just, like, this white guy having, pro- this white straight guy having problems, and I'm yeah. just, like, th- that story isn't told in a different way. Right. The two things that offend me most about this movie, one, is the wig work done to Amber Heard and Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> Amber Heard's wig is so awful. Like, just that brown, like, shag they put on her. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, ugh, it just offended me. And then Timothy, <laughs> you know, we'll talk about his hair later and we'll talk about him later, but, like, when it, there's, like, two Timothys. There's, like, the good boy Timothy, right. and then his mom dies, and then it goes to, like, the bad boy Timothy. Yeah. And then he has this, like, 80s, like, kiss wig on and it's just (laughs) awful it's just such bad 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 wig work and so like that distracted me the whole time and then the other thing that really offended me most about the movie and like spoiler i guess like when steven is finally like able to write and it does the thing where like the writing is like going across the screen and Mm -hmm. it's like intercutting all the people he's talking about i was like this is just the laziest bit of filmmaking and were, that's 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 script that's 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 like every like it just yeah. it was so uninspired and just having all of those like quick flashes of things like it was just oh i like i was like i'm so excited this is about to be over like i can't <laughs> sit with this any
0: longer yeah i mean somehow oh god i knew that like the book that he would end up writing would be the adderall diaries and yeah. that would be like look i saved the day by mm-hmm. writing about writing and it's like right god damn it
1: and it's like that works in like adaptation yeah like because that is such a, a nuanced exploration of like the inner tur- turmoil of being an artist but yeah like I-, I think when i'm trying to pinpoint the moment that this like trope of like you lead up to the reveal that like what the story you're seeing is the story someone's right it's like at the right. end of like, the last game of thrones episode where What's his dick like? Threw a song of fire and ice on the table and was like, "I wrote it." Like, <laughs> like we knew that was coming, but it was just so dumb and like lazy. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think of a situation where that worked within a story,
0: and I'm coming up mm.
1: blank. The Princess Bride wouldn't really count because, like, we established in the beginning they're yes. reading that book. Yeah. Um,
0: I can't, I can't think, think of, of anything. I can't
1: really think of one. But either, it's but... it's a very
0: overused trope, right? Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, that that was annoying to me he just seems like a bad writer. Like, yeah. He doesn't it didn't,
0: like, yeah, it didn't make me want to read Stephen Elliott. Right. Like what's,
1: yeah. what's the line where he's talking about like him and his childhood friend, Roger, who they remain friends throughout the film. Like we see their young their younger selves and their older selves. He's like, yeah, like we spent the summer, like learning about like the throes of like rock and roll and masturbation. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is god awful writing. Like, <laughs> oh, and then there was that like weird, weird, this is a, kind of a 180, but like where, his friend is like making pancakes and he like makes it into the shape of his dick, but it's from like the perspective of his taint. Do you remember that? I don't remember. You don't that. remember? He's. I
0: must have been like looking at my phone at he, that moment. He
1: he makes like pan like he makes a pancake in the shape of his dick, but like from the perspective of like his spread legs. Oh. And then man. he feeds them to his children.
0: Yeah. I feel like ugh. I can't believe you don't remember. It's like scarred in my memory. God. <laughs> I'm glad I. Was not paying attention to
1: this. Yeah Like I remember like James Franco being like Yeah I'm like gonna eat your taint And like spread some blueberry j- Like syrup on oh your taint Oh my god
0: That's such like a Judd Apatow era Franco yes, type joke Which you, like.
1: Franco Is in the Apatow Yeah Family That's mm-hmm.
0: how we know him From yeah. Freaks and Geeks And Oh yeah. right
1: I've never watched Freaks and
0: Geeks It's great That's yeah. like If that was Franco That we If Franco stopped at Freaks and Geeks I'd be like man What an iconic waste of <laughs> Of you know Potential I mean but I guess I'm saying that now though
1: Oh i clicked to his wikipedia page in 2014 a 17 year old girl posted screenshots of alleged messages between her and frank on instagram
0: is this the first you're hearing about this no 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 no. i just i like i like
1: (laughs) forgot about it
0: yeah i remember when it first came out and then like when me too stuff started happening like colbert had him on the show to be like okay this came up again let's talk about this and he was like yeah i don't have a really good excuse and it was like I never crossed the line, but I probably shouldn't have done that. Because oh. his response at the time was like, "Be careful who you talk to on the internet. It might not be who they say they are." It's like that's not what happened, James Franco. You were trying to groom a seventeen-year-old, as many famous men do, and right. that's awful. And you should oh. stop being a human.
1: Oh. Also, there was it came out that in Busy Phillips' memoir, she said that Franco screamed at her and shoved her to the ground on the set of Freaks and Geeks. Oh. And she's like, can you imagine yelling at Busy Phillips? Like, no. Busy Phillips is a treasure.
0: She was also like the toughest broad on that show. Uh-oh. Like, I don't know. I just have very clear memories of watching that in college and being like, oh my god, she's like an Amazon warrior. Mm-hmm. Like, what did she say? It was something like, I'm gonna rip your fa- face off and throw it over that fence. It was <laughs> like. That's amazing.
1: I would have liked to have seen The Adderall Diaries, but with Busy Phillips. Yeah,
0: Billy like, Physi- Busy Phillips as Stephen Elliott. Philly Bizzips. <laughs>
1: Philly Bizzips. As Stephen Elliott. Starring Philly Bizzips. Yeah, this movie is just, it's like a whole lot of nothing. Like, it's, yeah. it thinks it's like, I guess I just wish it like picked Elaine Again, again, that just comes back to like the whole like tortured artist narrative of like, oh, I'm trying to write and I can't. Like, when I thought it was going to be a movie about like this crime I got real excited. And then I was like, oh, no. This is a movie about writer's block.
0: Right. He's trying to insert himself into the story the way that Truman Capote did. And, like, they even say it in the thing. Mm -hmm. where It's like, Truman Capote, I could be like that. And it's like, you could never be. You (laughs) couldn't.
1: You never will and you never could be Truman Capote. Yeah. There's just nothing interesting about the way he, like, mistreats people. And there's nothing Mm -hmm. interesting about, like... I did find some of the scenes between Franco and Harris kind of fascinating, like kind of with them yelling at each other. Like I thought that like the, the whole idea of like was the victim and the the idea of like memory and how like they were each remembering things differently. Like that is interesting, but the foundation around which it's built doesn't like warrant interest.
0: That's, that's one of the reviews I read said a similar thing where it was like, interesting questions wasted on <laughs> a very mediocre movie yeah i actually like didn't quite maybe i just like wasn't paying close enough attention but like it didn't seem like they effectively convinced me as an audience member that franco didn't was was confused about what his memory was mm. it seemed more like he was like no this did like yeah of course this happened to me now, now let me find you know documentation that it did happen
1: yeah no you're right like it's it's very because he seems very convinced it's how it happened. Right. Like I don't think he's like grappling with that. But then because of the narrative choice around him saying his father's dead and he's not, like we find him untrustworthy. Yes. So maybe if we'd spent more of the movie, like with him grappling with like his memory yeah. and questioning and like kind of being more of an, I mean he is an unreliable protagonist, but like if they had kind of like moved with that. Like yeah. it made that more present in the narrative, as opposed to just it. It just it it feels like inconsistency and not right. purposeful choice. Yes,
0: because like one of the yeah one of the reviews I read was like oh yeah he's he's grappling with this thing and he doesn't remember what's true and it's like that's not what I got from this movie. Mm-hmm. Like if that's what they were going for, they did not succeed. Yeah. So he, like he he
1: thinks his memory is true and the only lie quote unquote is the, yeah yeah. So in in IRL did Stephen Elliott say his father was dead and he really wasn't?
0: I don't remember. I don't don't know. know.
1: Like, I didn't know if it was like a James Frey type situation where like he lied and like in that scene in the movie where he's at the reading and Ed Harris stands up and he's like, I'm your dad and I'm not dead. Yeah. He delivered it just like that, the way that I just said it. (laughs) I Um, I thought he was in the room with us. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I do. I do a mean Ed Harris. (laughs) I spent so much of that scene waiting for it to be like a dream sequence. Like I, cause Mm. I, I don't know what about, like, I just didn't think it was real. Or I thought it was, like, him hallucinating in the middle of this thing, but then other people were, like, reacting to that. Like, it just... Yeah. It seemed so... I think treating it as a reveal that his dad was alive, it gave it... Like, I I guess I just didn't think that needed to be kept from the audience. Like, I think, if anything, that would have just reinforced this whole unreliable narrative. Like, if we knew, and then somehow it came out in other... I don't know. Yeah. Like,
0: Like if he had said throughout the movie, like, oh, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. Mm. And then he's like, I'm alive. Yeah. Like i don't know yeah like when 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 that scene happened i was like why is james franco now ending the reading like Mm -hmm. he should just be like see what an asshole he is i just spent an hour convincing you by telling you all these bad things he did what an asshole is he that he would come to my reading and heckle me right like even if i did take a liberty and say that he was dead because i haven't seen him in 10 years yeah like fuck it Mm -hmm. like i feel like you can get away with being like eh i took a liberty like yeah it's my story yeah, know. and it seems like
1: the excuse for him not to do any of that is, well, I'm a shitty person, right? Like, and that's not <laughs> that interesting.
0: But I suck. Yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, you
1: know, but I like that we've touched on how, yeah, like the the style of this movie, it, it is it is like a proficiently made movie. Like, mm-hmm. I like like I, I like the way it looks. I think that like the pacing is rather like we we mentioned it's like a it's a breezy 87 minutes. Like, yeah, love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like this. I didn't feel like this like took up. A chunk of my time right. like even though i didn't enjoy it and have no interest ever in watching it i don't feel like i like wasted yeah precious hours i of was my able life. to
0: bang it out in the morning right exactly
1: yeah, yeah that's really there is this, <laughs> like that's there isn't whole much to, to yeah. dig into unless there's something you're forgetting you wanted to bring up
0: oh what about the choking stuff the choking <laughs> stuff what about like, it <laughs> like when when he is coaching her to choke him mm-hmm. was that weird or was that Um, fine or was that a representation of a kind of kink that was meant to make the audience feel weird when in fact a lot of people do it
1: my take on that is i understand it as a kink um i think it is supposed to make us uncomfortable and in that i think it kind of does a disservice because it's 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 clearly because he is like a glutton for punishment Mm -hmm. And I just don't think they explore that – I wish it wasn't explored in such, like, a scuzzy way. Yeah. Like, because in those scenes, it's, like, they're in this, like, backlit neon room, and it Mm -hmm. seems very, like, sexy. And, like, I wish it was explored more of, like, as, like, a human emotion. And, like, I wish they explored more, like, where that came from and less of, like, well, he's damaged, so he must want her to
0: choke him during
1: sex. Like, it seems very – And then I think that on top of the way that she then reacts and takes out her anger on it, like, again, all interesting concepts that I just don't think are, like, explored down the right avenue.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel like I've known plenty of people who were not damaged, who liked choking, Mm -hmm. that weren't doing it for some weird reason Yeah, other than just, like, a kind of thing, a kind of, like, non-vanilla sex act. So it's like...
1: Yeah, it seems like they took... A kink and like used it to highlight their like mental instability and that just didn't i'm not saying those things can't be like true but there was like a causation as opposed to like a correlation explained there Yeah, and i didn't love that
0: no also like he passed out and i don't know if that's actually like maybe she like went too far or something and he like passed out i feel like that's not Usually how choking. No. Is. I don't know. I might be wrong.
1: Yeah. Um. I, yeah. And like that whole scene, I thought he was like faking it. I thought he was going to like scare her. And yeah. He, and I was like, he's such a dick. But then like he was actually passed out. But I was like, whatever, he's still a dick. Yeah. But I will say though, I really enjoyed Amber Heard's performance in that scene. Um, yeah. I do like Amber Heard a lot. As unsurprising as this is, a female character wasn't given a lot to do in mm. a movie with a male lead. Uh. It's always disappointing, but it's more disappointing when it's written and directed by a woman. Yes. Like
0: oh their first like meeting when she's like he's like come get a drink with me and she's like i can't i have this other thing that i've committed to he's Uh like well we can talk about this on the way to the drink and then she's like oh is that your motorcycle let me ride it and it's like what the fuck just happened like you just wrote a composite of like a fantasy girl Mm -hmm. that is also damaged that's just a whole other trope just
1: like uses her and uses her and like i think the film knows he sucks to a degree i don't think that they like drive it home enough the fact that just Amber Heard is, like, given zilch, like, like I said, she's in that terrible wig, Mm -hmm. all she does is, like, use her skills to, like, help him, because, like, she helps him get, like, all of those documents, she just exists to be, like, a catalyst for his pain. Yeah. Yeah, like, in that choking scene, doesn't he say something akin to, like, yeah, like, choke me, like, I'm your father, or whatever, like, it's,
0: yeah. Well, I think after she chokes him, he's like, I love you. And then she's like, mm-hmm. I need to get out of here. Like, yeah, that's which, the, like, that's yeah. the boundary.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> like, can you imagine? Yeah, this God. movie is just it's a lot of good ideas. And I think in, in, in stronger hands and with a more interesting protagonist, like this is an interesting story to tell. Mm hmm. But yeah, I think I'd rather just go like read in Cold Blood or yeah. watch adaptation.
0: Yeah, I think this movie might have played well in like 1999. Yeah. When men weren't done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, before we <laughs> before we canceled men yes. collectively.
1: Yeah, like this there is like a this would be like a good, like, low budget nineties um thriller. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get that. We, we got didn't get we it. got the 2015 James Franco version. Yeah. So on the Interstellar Pod. I mentioned that my worst fear was Timothy Chalamet growing up to be Casey Affleck. I still think that Ooh. is my worst fear. Yeah. But my second worst fear is Timothy Chalamet growing up to be James Franco. Oh yeah. So as 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 we mentioned, Timothy plays uh, the younger version of Stephen Elliott. He we see him uh, his mother dies and then he begins descending into drugs, violence, general kind of teenage debauchery, if you will. So what did you think of his role in the movie and his casting?
0: I was surprised that there was as much there as there was. Mm -hmm. Like, we see a range. We see him in a baseball tee. And then he becomes a damaged person. And, you know, we see him smash a window and stuff like that. Like, it was interesting. I also, um, the thing that I was thinking when I I first saw him in, like, the hair, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Timmy could be the lead in a movie about late nineties emo yeah. and I would watch that. Mm. I would see it opening weekend if it yeah. were done right. If it were like a teen spirit style yeah. movie about like emo bands Ooh. and Timmy is the star and he's got the aesthetic, yeah. he's got the sort of punk aesthetic and, and the long black hair. then they actually let hair. him
1: grow his hair out instead of yeah. wigging him like that.
0: Yeah. And like he's singing and there's like music happening. I was like, this is the movie I want to see. I yeah. want to see this Timmy that we're seeing now. Uh huh. In that movie, yeah, yeah, I saw potential. Love that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um. So yeah, this was his fifth release. So this was um same year as One and Two, uh, same year as Love the Cooper. So kind of a year or two before his kind of big big break. So yeah, mm-hmm. he was pre- he was relatively unknown at this point. Like if you if you had watched this in 2015, you wouldn't have thought ah Timothy Chalamet. Yeah,
0: but. It sort of established him as an A24 baby.
1: It did. It is his first A24 feature. Man, as of this recording, he has released three A24. It seems like more than that.
0: It seems like more.
1: Yeah, he's in the Adderall Diaries. He's in Hot Summer Nights. He's in Lady Bird. Those are all A24 joints. He doesn't have another one on the horizon. But like he, yeah, he and Lucas Hedges seem to be the the A24 yeah. chosen children that it is important there. I I thought about the fact that this seems like a pretty good jumping point for his performance in Beautiful Boy because we get a lot of him like huffing and like doing drugs and like being a, being a little delinquent.
0: I was thinking about that. Like when I, when I saw that, I was like, I wonder if this is what got him that role. Mm -hmm. Like, because we see him doing all these things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, it seemed like that was like a, like I I then like saw the parallels there and like I liked that he was then able to like explore that kind of more thoroughly in Beautiful Boy. Mm -hmm. Even though my, Relationship to that movie is a little mixed. His performance is really great, so I yeah. like that there was kind of like the beginnings of that. It's like a pretty good role, like for yeah, you know, like a for like,
0: a non-speaking role, or yeah. a largely non-speaking. Largely role. Non-speaking. Like, He was able to do a lot with mm-hmm. it, yeah.
1: and he like like I mentioned, he gets like more runtime than I thought he was going to. Mm-hmm. um Differentiating between this and Beautiful Boy, yeah. in Beautiful Boy, I think he's just kind of like a lost, wayward soul, whereas in this, I think he's kind of more of a a bad boy, and I've always not struggled like it's the same with hot summer nights like i buy him because he's such a good actor but he doesn't have like the physical look i would think that that character would have so there's always kind of like a brief kind of like oh right timothy chalamet like yeah. our, our sweet our sweet boy he's busting cars and huffing paint can't like what is it yeah. they huffing like spray paint like there's a there's a shot where his mouth's all like blue from like huffing like spray paint something oh, or other like yeah. I, I don't know that image is like stuck in my mind um <laughs> So, yeah, I sometimes I have, like, a, a small stopgap with his casting where I'm, I have to, like, remind myself, like, oh, right, like, he's very talented. Like, he can play these roles. Because I, yeah. I I think of, like, a more, like, physically imposing person. I
0: like, did know kids in high school that were, like, scrawny punk kids that mm-hmm. were, like, punching out windows and yeah. stuff.
1: Maybe my issue is the wig. So, let's, okay, so the main crux of the narrative took place, like, what we'll call present day. Mm-hmm. And if and I guess if we're going by the the, the timeline of the novel, the book which was released in 2009 it was we'll say the movie takes we'll say it takes place in 2009. Okay. So that version of Stephen Elliott that we're seeing is probably like mid 90s maybe. Okay. Stephen Elliott. Yeah. Is that, like, the haircut that a kid that age would have had in the 90s?
0: Hmm. I don't think so, because, like, mid-90s would have been, like, spiky. Like, if yeah. he was a punk kid wearing a jean jacket with an anarchy symbol in the back, it would have been spikes. Yeah. Um, the long hair was more grunge, okay. like a, you know, Nirvana or Pearl Jam type thing. And, mm-hmm. and then he wouldn't have been wearing an anarchy symbol. He would have been wearing, like, flannel.
1: Yeah, I don't really like get, right. really like, a good place to, like, time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it made me think of emo. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. you got, like, an emo thing going. Yeah. But that would have been years yeah too soon so. well i guess
1: if, if if then we're saying the movie did play, take place in quote 2015 maybe that would line up maybe. a bit better anyway i shouldn't try to justify the wig there's no <laughs> justifying the wig. it's there's a, no just it's a terrible 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 wig so we, we we've dug into it a bit but let's talk about his performance specifically we talked about he gets to show like a pretty decent range mm-hmm. I've, I've talked a lot about like his physicality i really enjoy his physicality as an actor there's a a beautiful shot where like he's got this area like Crooked smile that I thought was a nice like look at from him I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, for performance, it really kind of like I said, just a, I, I just saw like, oh, this is what he's going to bring to Beautiful Boy. And if I ever feel the need to like revisit a performance like this, I'll just go to Beautiful Boy instead. <laughs> now <laughs> right. his, I think I think he gives a very good performance. I think for where he was in his career, like yeah. it totally makes sense. Like I'll, a lot of times I've talked on the show about how sometimes I won't be overly praising one of his performances because I know like what comes later. But this is one where I think like, you know, like he did a very good job for the time. And even though this is just like a footnote in the beginning of his career. Yeah. I was perfectly at ease with what he was doing in this movie.
0: Yeah. I felt like when you don't have a lot of lines, then you're sort of confined to just physical movements and stuff like that. And I thought that he did a lot with what he was given. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. He's really like menacing. You see the anger there. And like in a way that like, I don't really think Franco, like, translates later. No. Like, I don't really... I don't see, like, the angry boy inside of Franco. And I think that it would have been, like... There would have been more connective tissue if I, like... I guess that's actually... And I don't see the through line between Timothy Chalamet and
0: james franco yeah it's like the there's the gray area where he's like well did he was he homeless briefly or wasn't he like was he and i was afraid that it was going to become like a bootstraps narrative where Mm. it's like well look what i did with what i had what i was given like how far i got and like i didn't really want to see that movie either um (laughs) but it was yeah i don't know yeah no i think he gives a great
1: performance
0: as i mentioned there's
1: a Whole murderer's row of other performances, I'd rather come back to. But for popping on a Netflix and seeing there's a Timmy movie you haven't seen, you could do a whole lot worse. And he like I like I mentioned, he's in it more than you think he's going to be. So if that's what you're coming in for,
0: great. I remember what I was going to say. Please. Um, So one thing that the movie was trying to play around with was like who is the victim and who is the villain. And I think that like historically, we think of people with addictions as the villains. Mm -hmm. And I think casting Timmy as like an addict made it sort of like helpful to see him as like a victim of mm-hmm. circumstance and sure. so because he's yeah. like he's like doing crimes but mm-hmm. he's also like damaged right and so yeah,
1: yeah i think he's very good at communicating that like he is a notorious like soft boy mm-hmm. like if you read the internet timothy <laughs> timothy is one of our the crown jewels of the soft boy uh, royal crown so I think that is something he brings to all of his work is, like, a, a, a levity and, like, a – you're not, like, put off by him. Like, we mentioned Miles. Like, I, I'm i all – like, anytime I see Miles Teller in a scene, I'm, like, adversarial. When I see Timmy, it's, like, a comfort. Even though I think he, like, effectively can play, like, douchebags and, like, asshole guys and, like, people who don't have their shit together or an yeah. addict. Like, he there is a lightness that he still has, like in, like, glowing at the center of him that makes you want to, like – take care of, which i which why i think he like he does well in these roles where he's kind of like wayward youth to you know whether it's Lady Bird where he's just kind of like disenchanted and kind of like hardcore or whatever or if he's like playing an addict like in natural diaries or in beautiful boy he he has a likability to him that he can't shake and i think that when he uses that to his advantage it's really good yeah so bobby do you want to rate the movie on do a scale I, from one to five peaches, yes. You want to do it? I do. Okay, because you have to. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to frame it politely, but you do. You have do. To. This
0: is why we brought you. <laughs> yes.
1: Are you Are you prepared to give the peach ratings? Yes. Okay. All right. I'll start us off. Okay. Ease you into it. Okay. Um. So, the movie One to Five Peaches. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give it a two and a half. Okay. It was very down the middle for me. I like there were like all these actors I knew and like, I thought the look was pretty good and slick. And I was like, it was like, I was, I was enjoying the watch. Mm-hmm. And then as it kept going and I realized I was just seeing the same story that I've seen before. Yeah. Wrapped around somebody who it's fine. He's unlikable, but it'll at least make him interesting. Mm-hmm. And then the, like, as I mentioned, the wig work really sank it for me. <laughs> um, And then that, that ending montage where he was like writing and thinking about all the people he damaged along the way. And, yeah. Like, The journey that he took, like, it just just sunk it for me. I think that had this been stretched out to, like, two hours, I would have been like, no. Fuck this. Yeah, fuck this. But, like, ultimately, while I didn't find it interesting and while I didn't love it, it also didn't offend me. Right. Like, it didn't make me mad. Yeah. Learning more about Stephen Elliott and then reminding myself of the horrendous shit that James Franco has done, that offends me. Everything that happened in the 87 minutes I watched this movie, while not interesting, didn't make me, like outright angry other than the wigs the wigs made me mad
0: my feeling was i as we were starting the rating i was prepared to give this a one out of five but then i i remembered that like that's not actually how i felt about it like Mm -hmm. while we were talking about i was like oh this is a one but like when i was watching i was like this is i don't think this deserves the 19 percent rotten tomatoes rating because it's not so bad that it's bad you know what Mm -hmm. i mean it's like but it's also not so bad that it's good it's just sort of like sits there yeah and i think people were like I can't believe that this movie did so little. Let's rate it very low. Yeah. It's like, well, that's not necessarily honest. Yeah. Like I think I prefer the Roger Ebert sort of model of rating it where it's like, no, let's look at what it's actually doing. Mm-hmm. It was, it did technical things that were competent. Yes. The acting was fine. Mm-hmm. The writing was fine. So yeah. Is it a cop out if I also give it a 2.5? No, of okay. course not. I I'm love, gonna... I
1: love to us to be, um, simpatico. Yeah.
0: I think that's great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, you're so right. Like, I think that sometimes Rotten Tomatoes can be a bad barometer because it could have 19% of Rotten Tomatoes, but all of those reviews could be two and a half. Right. That's why I like Metacritic a mm. little bit more, which I'm going to see if I can pop onto Metacritic and see what this got.
0: And it, it always seems like Google reviews have higher ratings. Like the audience reviews are always higher than the critical ratings. Yeah. And that makes me think that like maybe I'm more aligned with audiences where it's yeah. like this was not so bad. that. Right. Yeah.
1: So the the Metacritic – average is 42, which isn't spectacular by any means, but sure. I that's closer to what would yeah. be our ratings, which would be like 50%. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a 19% movie because 19% you think like Geely or something. Like, this isn't right. so bad we're talking about how bad it is. Yeah, It's just so... I've talked about it, this a bit on the show. Like, sometimes when things are, like, incredible, that's when you talk about them. When they're incredibly bad, you talk about them, and then we miss things that hit from, like, the 30 to 70% range because yeah. everything else is, like, an extreme. This is just not an extreme right it's right down the middle
0: it sits there and it's you know it's from a, a different era right almost. exactly like,
1: yeah timmy's performance one to five peaches
0: i'm gonna say four out of five four to five all he had was like a non-speaking role and mm-hmm. he nailed it so
1: well i hate to be boring but i'm also a four <laughs> like yeah like Again, I think that it's like a very nice stepping stone to where he was going. I think he does a lot of really great work. If I'm docking him a peach, it might just be because he's not like given as much to do mm-hmm. um and I don't think that it's like I don't think he has like a scene or he has like a moment that like you ca- like kind of stands out. Like it's, it's 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 a good performance, but it just kind of fits into the rest of the movie, which is fine. I think that's an actor's job. But there's nothing transcendent, but at the same time, he does well. And that's kind of my my thoughts on the whole film. I don't think anyone delivers, like, an absolutely astounding performance. Mm -hmm. And Cynthia Nixon's in this movie. I love (laughs) Cynthia Nixon. Ed Harris
0: did a pretty good job with that role.
1: If Timmy had gotten more scenes like that, because I feel like a lot of those kind of played out, like, in flashback, like, they were cut. Like, I'm sure that there are, like, reels of performances where, like, he's giving a great kind of, like, big you know what would be like in an oscar clip mm-hmm. but because those are cut so quickly and interspersed throughout the movie we never get to like see that so he, he functions as a, a literal flashback yeah so yeah i think it's while his performance is good you can't go on and on about it too long because it just it kind of is just there to serve the story yeah his attractiveness <laughs> how bobby how attractive did you find <laughs> timothy chalamet hmm. this isn't a, a, a spoiler for the audience to learn that bobby is a a straight man. So, being <laughs> I apologize. Asked, yes, I'm so I'm <laughs> on sorry. behalf of all of them. <laughs> um, yeah, you were the first solo straight wow. male to guest on the show.
0: If I could just be a representative for straights in the world, maybe we'd have world peace. But
1: maybe, maybe. I, if if we were to have a summit and someone said <laughs> you have to send one straight white cis male, I would say bobby evers wow you are going to represent the
0: pack that's an honor i don't represent the worst of us no so i don't know that it's truly no you are you are the best of
1: them you can't say it because you're humble but i will say you are you are the best of them
0: (laughs) thank you as far as timothy's attractiveness i guess like if i was getting vibes about an emo singer songwriter that i would have like gone to see in the year 2000 Mm -hmm. then that must be pretty high right so like Let's say four out of five. Four to five. Yeah,
1: fair. Okay, we're gonna deviate for a bit. I'm gonna go three and a half. Okay. Again, I know there's a hair category, but that wig just like really <laughs> looks so bad. I you know. I think he's very he's very cute. I I in his earlier movies when he looks just so boyish, like I I still find him very adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, by no means I think he is unattractive in this movie. I just think that the wig unfortunately is a weight, and he is just sinking into the ocean with that wig on. And then also I just know what he looks like now. And yeah. like it's just we've 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 come so far.
0: I think that like the punk aesthetic is sort of what won me over. Okay. I was like, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of my youth. Not yeah. that I was like a heroin addict or whatever. <laughs> but like I was hanging out with punk kids. Sure, like, sure, sure. Yeah,
1: yeah no, no, that, that was your vibe. Yeah. And this is a little that's a little less my vibe. Like I think when he plays like that kind of character on like hot summer nights where he's a little bit more like East Coast with like an edge of prep or when he's like yeah. Ladybird where it's like early two thousands, like artsy kid, like right. that vibes a little bit more for me. And, yeah. and punk is like pretty adjacent to those. So that yeah. his look in this is probably not my like preferred to me look, but you know, even if he's in, even if he's in the punk vibe, he still has got that yeah. beautiful cheekbones. So
0: mentioning Ladybird, I agree. I feel like that sort of art aesthetic is more my vibe than like the call me by your name aesthetic. Interesting. Because like, in that movie, like, in Lady Bird, I was like, oh, I'm, I know exactly who this guy is. Yes. Like, yeah.
1: Because that was more your. That was your.
0: I read *Infinite Jest*. Sure. <laughs> you know, I tr- I tried to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you
1: would have been in high school around the time that movie takes place,
0: right? Yes. Yeah, I was. I was. I would have been like a freshman in college when those kids were seniors in high school. Okay. So, like,
1: so the Ladybird kids, that was your. Yeah. You knew those people. Yeah, very and well. like
0: all the music in that, they like nailed the music.
1: Listen, if I could sustain an entire podcast just talking about Greta Gerwig's Ladybird, yeah. I would. And I'm not saying I can't. It's just going to be at least ten hours of me sitting across from a guest, being like, "How much do you love Gretagor wig?" <laughs>
0: I've been following her career since like her Mumblecore days, so like, wow. I would have some shit to say.
1: Well, you will be my first guest when that comes. I'm almost scared to go here, Bobby. Timothy's hair.
0: All right, Along I think that beaches. I don't think the hair bothered me as much as it did you. Similar to the attractiveness thing, like it made me think of an aesthetic that, like, I. I didn't notice it as a wig. Like, once you said it, I was like, oh, I guess that would have been a wig, because I don't Mm. think he would have grown out his hair and then cut it in the movie. I will
1: say, bad wigs, it's something that, like, I don't always clock it. Like, I feel like people always talk about, like, Nicole Kidman's wigs in movies, and, Hmm. like, not necessarily in a way that they, like, hate it, but it's always just so apparent she's, like, wearing a wig. Actually, recently, I think that I saw, like, some Instagram video or story where Rachel Brosnahan like pulled her marvelous Mrs. Maisel wig off and I was like, "Oh, that's oh. a wig." Like I was like stunned. Yeah, no, yeah, I was stunned. That's crazy. You can't see this cuz this is a podcast, but both Bobby and Will just like looked aghast at me, which is <laughs> well, it, and it's cuz that wig looks like it would be her hair cuz mm-hmm. we've seen her hair and like she has that color hair. And that wig is the color of Timothy's hair, but it just looked it looks like a Halloween costume I wore when I was 12 mm. and I was like a rocker. For me, it's a one out of five for the hair, and okay. I know I'm I know I'm pinning that on the wig. I know he has other hair in the movie, <laughs> but the wig just offended me so that I can even giving it one peach I think is a little generous. Okay. Um, and it, I think it doesn't help that Amber Heard's wig was also terrible. Amber Heard did nothing wrong. I blame the wig department. <laughs> Amber Heard
0: was born innocent. Yeah, <laughs> Amber Heard was
1: born innocent and continues to be innocent. <laughs> Aside from that time that she smuggled her dogs illegally into Australia. Yeah, that was a little fucked up. <laughs> it was a little fucked up. Well, well, well. Now I'm thinking, when she made this movie, she was probably still married to Johnny Depp. Yeah, but she never she doesn't share any scenes with Timothy. So it's not as if was Timothy at the premiere, met Amber Heard, and then saw a young Lily Rose Depp sauntering down the red carpet. And they connected years later on the set of The King.
0: It's weird to think that there are like 20 year old actors right now who are messaging each other on Instagram. And that's how they're setting up like celebrity dates. Right. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: Do you think that's what happened on the set of The King? Could you think that Timmy like followed like Lily Rose back and like from his trailer (laughs) and just like looked at his phone waiting? You up. You (laughs) up.
0: Great scenes today. <laughs> um, yeah. I've always wanted to become famous enough where I could like message a celebrity, be like, Hey, we're at the same level now. Let's mm-hmm. get a piece of cake.
1: Um, I hope you experience that one day, Bobby. Thank you.
0: Um, and who, you also.
1: Thank you. Who would be, who would you, who, what celebrity would you most like to see in your Instagram DMs?
0: Um, oh my God. This is such okay. an odd way to
1: wrap up this podcast, but I'm curious now. This is a
0: real anecdote that really happened to me. Okay. So I work for a tech startup that makes Groupons mm-hmm. And uh, Tiffany Haddish is a spokesperson for Groupon. And, like, she came to the office once. And I was like, I love you, Tiffany. And she was like, I love you, baby. I was like, oh, my God. I had a moment with Tiffany Haddish. And then, like, I I don't know if I, like, mentioned her on Twitter or mm-hmm. something. But I got a follow from Tiffany Haddish. And I was like, this is insane. And then, like, it set, it showed that her messages were open. So I, like, messaged her. Uh-huh. And we're interacting. And then she asks for a photo of my ID. And then I'm like, wait a second this account isn't verified oh. and i was like oh this is tiffany haddish nine uh, <laughs> okay i need to shut this down oh
1: no <laughs> you were was, uh, yeah that was so exciting was, <laughs> for a moment though but she did say she loves you yes that the real, was real the real tiffany haddish that is real so beautiful well bobby thank you for joining us thank for, for our 10th me. episode wow. of chasing chalamet i know 10 double Excellent. digits yeah we're almost a teenager can people uh find you on the internet? Yeah. If you want them to? Yeah,
0: I'm on Twitter and Instagram as O oh, Business. O business. Yes. Yeah. Where did that come from? I had an online friend who used to say it as a euphemism for oh shit. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh business. I did a blah 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 blah. You uh-huh. know, whatever. And I was like, I'm just gonna steal that from you. Mm-hmm. And I stole it. You stole it. But they were honored.
1: Lovely. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dane McDonald. The show is on Twitter and Instagram as well. On Twitter we are Shalame chasing and Instagram. We are chasing chalamet You can email us at, at gmail.com We would love to hear from you. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on iTunes. We need, it. we need it so bad. I need that validation. Will needs that validation. Bobby needs the validation. He's not even a regular on the show. He's I need just the guessing.
0: validation. I need the likes.
1: I need the clicks. He does. But Will, we have good news. We do. We do. Are you guys ready for this? Yeah. We. So Bobby, I don't know if you you've listened or heard. But we set out a challenge for our Chasing Chalamet listeners. If they gave us 50 ratings and 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we were going to release, record and release, I should say, two special episodes. One on a Hallmark movie that Timothy did called Loving Leah. Wow. And then another on Homeland Season 2. The good news is that we hit those goals, so we are going to be releasing those episodes. We have not talked logistics yet. Um, I'm thinking we will probably finish out the filmography and then we will set to work on figuring out when those episodes will be recorded and released. From there, we are going to have discussions of how this podcast could and will continue. Uh, will and I have had some discussions about maybe once we hit a hundred ratings, maybe things we could go and cook up for our for our loyal stands. Email us your ideas, chasing yeah. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to know.
0: We'd love to see it. <laughs>
1: Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com. Deal is spelled D E A H L. And until next time, later.